Welcome to The Passion Project. I'm Will Olke. And I'm Josh Rockwell. And our guest today is our friend Seb. Hey, Seb. Hello. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. pretty how pretty good. How are you? How, yeah, how is, how's it going on the, your end, Seb? It's good. It's good. I'm doing good. Just chilling out. You know, nice day. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear yeah. it. So, Seb, you're sort of a movie enthusiast, wouldn't you say? I, I would say, yeah. And we're going to talk to you about movies today. So just kind of mm-hmm. to open broad, what's your history with movies? Uh, well, I have, I've always, I've always loved movies. Uh, starting when I was like three years old, uh, I watched the movie Jaws. When you were, um, when you were three, was, you watched Jaws? Yep. That's crazy. And for the longest time, it was my favorite movie. I uh, watch it all the time, and you know, weirdly enough, I, you know, a lot of people talk about how they were afraid of that movie and stuff, but it never really got to me as much. And I really just, even even at a young age, I really appreciated a lot of stuff. You know, not nearly as stu- as many things as I do now, but yeah, I uh, just I really appreciated like the characters, and of course, I loved you know the shark and all that stuff. Of course, but. So that that movie kind of influenced both my love for sharks and for movies. So <laughs> that's very kind of interesting. A important movie. And uh, in later so years, what have you uh, been doing to keep up with your movie habits? You know, I mean, right now, right now is a difficult time with all the corona going around and the movie theater shut down. Yeah. But uh, I usually go to the movies all the time. Uh, you know, new movies come out. I'm there. I'm there in the theater. I'm watching them. And something I've been doing is a little thing called uh, Seb's Quickies. Uh, and that is on my Snapchat where I, after I watch a movie, I do a little quick review. No spoilers, no nothing. Just my initial thoughts and a score out of 10. So I really love doing that too. Uh, it, and it... uh it's I do it for people, but also to hopefully help increase my ability to criticize a film and you know just talk about it with yeah, people who are interested. It gives you practice for you know trying to put your thoughts into words and kind of interpreting mm-hmm. the movie. Um, how long have you been doing Seb's quickies? Like, um, I would say probably it, it has to be close to like two years. Have you like noticed yourself um, since doing Seb's Quickies? Have you noticed yourself like improving, like your reviewing kind of experience? Yeah, I actually have because um, I sometimes I will go back and I'll reread my older ones, the ones that I started out with, um, and I notice that it just it doesn't sound as good as some of my more later ones. You know? Yeah. So there's uh, definitely there's definitely been improvement. Yeah, and that that definitely uh, has something to do with the film classes that I've done both in high school and college. So uh, two film analysis classes, and that's definitely improved my vocabulary and knowledge of stuff going on in a film. So that also definitely has an effect on those on those later ones for sure. 
And yeah. are you are you going to college for uh, film? I'm actually not, surprisingly. Hmm. Um, I know a lot of people tell me that I should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, right now, I'm just in a place where I'm kind of doing some generals, uh, trying to kind of figure out where I want to go with everything. It's very understandable. So, it, you know, who knows in the future, but right now, that's just kind of where I'm at. So, but film's not off the table too, right? So you could you could maybe right. loop back around. Yeah, any anything could happen. You know, it's that's that's the that's the nice thing about kind of taking your time with that stuff is yeah. you know, anything could happen. Yeah. So you mentioned that you really liked Jaws as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Is it still your favorite movie, or what's your new favorite movie and why? It it actually is not it. Is, is super close. It's obviously a second place, but um, I happened to stumble upon a film called Donnie Darko, which to me is something I've never seen before. Uh, nothing that I had seen before in a movie. It's it, it, it mixes so many different like ideas, and it just it was just so so unique you know it, it it's a movie that i really can't explain because that is just how weird and unique it is it's it's just you can't explain it without spoiling certain parts of the movie mm-hmm. it's just something you gotta watch and you gotta experience and and i think that right there is kind of why it's my favorite movie uh it just because it's not something it's it's not really normal it it's just it's just an experience and there's very very few movies there are other movies i could say that for for sure but there are very few movies that i really really feel that way about most movies i can explain just fine this movie you can't can't you just <laughs> you got to tell somebody it's good yeah hope that they watch it and and it's that it it's just got so much. It's got like everything you could pretty much want in a movie. You know, it's got supernatural elements. It's got sci-fi elements. It's got romance and drama. It's got horror. Yeah. Um. It. It's just. There's just so much of it that can appeal to so many people. Um. And it's just. It's just a fantastic movie. And it's aged very well. Came out two thousand one. And it still is great. It's got a great soundtrack. The, you know, the little special effects that they use um, look very good for how the movie is presented. Uh, the writing and the characters, just they're so... For how weird the story is, the characters are so grounded, in my opinion, yeah. in realism and mm-hmm. relatability. And it's just fantastic, and you know, it's it's got a got a great great cast too. You got Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, his sister Maggie Gyllenhaal. You got Drew Barrymore, Patrick Swayze, just just really, really great stuff. Have you noticed that like the elements that you like in Donnie Darko? Um, have you taken those and like are they the same elements you like in um like other movies too, or do you like different oh. things in different movies? Oh, um, okay. So yeah, I definitely do like a variety, but when I see stuff 
that has these sort of weird sort of fantasy-esque kind of sequences that this movie does, I, I, I really am drawn to stuff like that. Only when it makes sense, though. Because, you know, there are movies out there that do totally whack things, but they don't really have a meaning. It's just kind of insane for the sake of being insane. Yeah. But this movie has little clues here and there that allows a viewer to piece it together themselves without explaining totally everything, which not everybody likes, but in my opinion, that adds to the rewatchability of a movie as well, because Mm -hmm. there's just so much more that you can go into on the next few watches. And it's one of the movies that, you know, I really wish that I could watch for the first time again, because when I did, I, it was unbelievable. It was, and I actually watched it pretty much immediately after I finished it the first time. Wow. Because I I was just so into it and there was so much more that I wanted to figure out from the movie because, because of just how it was made. It, It was, it was a really great experience. And did you know that it was your favorite, like when you were watching it or did you, did you like come to like appreciate it later? Oh, I knew it was one of my favorites. Um, when I first watched it, but you know, it was so hard to come to terms with it because Jaws had been my favorite movie for forever. <laughs> yeah. And but it just you know, Jaws is great and I think a lot of people give it some flack because it's a you know, it's a shark movie, but really it's a it's a movie about the characters. The shark's barely in it, to be honest <laughs> with you. It's it's really a journey of the characters, but it's not that Jaws is trying to go as deep as Donnie Darko, but Donnie Darko it just is just a deeper film mm-hmm. with yeah. deeper meanings. And it just, it's just more meaningful to me because of that. I noticed when I did some digging that there was actually a sequel S Darko, but <laughs> I also noticed that it was done by a different director. And the fact that I had never heard of it before, I assumed that perhaps it wasn't as good as the original. So, Here's the thing. I haven't watched that movie, mm-hmm. but the reason is because I heard it's so awful. <laughs> and I just don't know if I can bring myself to actually watch it. Yeah. And, you know, there there are talks. Um, I don't know how much of that has changed now because of everything, but I've mm-hmm. heard of talk of the director of the first one, uh, Richard Kelly. Mm-hmm uh thinking about making a sequel and like an actual sequel (laughs) and in my opinion i don't think that's necessary i really don't see where they could go Mm -hmm. if i mean if the director you know he feels like he has an idea that's really good that he has to make it i i guess i would trust that but right now as the movie itself stands and as the the seek the uh, first sequel rating stand. It just doesn't seem like it's necessary. It probably won't be able to capture the same magic that the first one had because I feel like the first one is just so unique and really is lightning in a bottle. They, they, I think it, it is one of those examples where they did that. Yeah, that kind of leads me to a a question. Like, how do you feel about sequels in general? Like movies that um 
you know, have been kind of sitting on the shelf and they're like, what if we make a sequel? Mm -hmm. Or what if we maybe remake that? Like, how do, how do you feel about that? All right, this is perfect. This is perfect. Okay. Um, so this is how I feel, right? I think it is absolutely ridiculous, right? Um, when people hate on the idea of sequels, right? Okay. So there are there are some things that don't really need a sequel. And I will say that, like I just said, but like I also just said, if it's an idea that they feel that is necessary to make and there's just no other way, then I'm on board for that. Some people, no matter the reason or the idea for a sequel, they do not, they do not like that. They do not like sequels. And there is a pretty strong mentality right right now about sequels and whenever somebody hears the word sequel they go oh oh god oh god we're making a sequel and i think that that sort of mentality for a sequel isn't isn't great because i feel like if you get a chance to explore the world more that that you love yeah i feel like i feel like that's something that people should be excited for and it just it doesn't make sense to me that people wouldn't be excited for something like that and you know people say oh it's gonna you know it's gonna ruin the original whatever you always have the original that's my that's my stance you always have the original you can always go back to that and you can just ignore the rest of it if you don't like it. Yeah. That might be hard for some people, <laughs> but you know, that that is always that is always there. I feel like if a movie is uh something that can be explored further than what was in the original or even the second and they're making a third one or something like that. If it can be explored further and there's a legitimate reason for it to be made, that is something that should be exciting. Yeah, because it's and, just a, it's just you're just adding on to something. It's not like right, you're, you're you can't take away from the first movie, like you were saying. Right, you can't right. take away from that. Yeah, there's potential to add even more stuff that you love about the first one and add it and add on to that. And maybe the sequel flops and it's not that great, but it's not like you lost anything over the first one. And, and I, I agree with you on that. And I yeah, I thought I was more in the the boot camp of like man, like sequels, like if the movie I like, I don't know why they're going to make a sequel because it's just going to be bad. Mm -hmm. But like, I, th I think you are right in saying that like, even if there's a chance that it's good or a chance that it adds something new that's yeah. uh, good and beneficial to the war world or the characters, I think, I think that definitely should be something you should look forward to. Exactly. And where I stand on remakes is a, is a little bit different. Um, when people hear remake, they go, oh, God. Yeah. And I sort of agree with this um, because I feel like remakes are being used for the wrong purpose. Okay? The, what they're doing right now, especially, this is especially apparent with all these live-action Disney remakes and stuff like that, yeah. What they're doing right now is they're taking movies 
that are already good, that already have a fan base, people who are attached to them, and they're making a remake of it. And this is completely unnecessary. And usually when they do something like that, it's really transparent. And it's really clear that they're pretty much doing it for the sole purpose of money. What remakes should be used for are for movies that are not good. They're, they're, They're not good, but have great concepts. They have great concepts that can potentially make a great film. But maybe it doesn't work out. And now that is the perfect opportunity to make a remake. That is what a remake should do. It should it should see a film that's not very good, but the concept is very unique, very interesting, and what maybe got people to go to the theaters in the first place and take that concept and make an actual good movie out of it that is what a remake should do and that's why i'm a little bit more against remakes uh, than sequels because what they're doing with them is in my opinion they're using them for its unintended purpose and trying to cash in on that stuff yeah yeah i definitely think there are a lot of like modern day remakes you you mentioned disney so like they did like mm-hmm. the lion king and aladdin and those kind of things where they like yep. kind of changed a few things but it was mostly still the same story mm-hmm. um how do you feel about like i mean I, i'm um a remake that kind of comes to mind is the the ghostbusters which was kind of a remake and a sequel kind of a thing yeah, like how, like the new Ghostbusters with like the um the all women cast is what I was talking mm-hmm. about. Like how how do you how do you feel about like like that movie? Like what do you? Because because it also kind of delves into like the um like the gender of like the gender politics of movies and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So my issue my issues with that movie is not what everybody else says that it's an all women cast. I could care less about that. My issue with it is that it is, again, an unnecessary remake, pretty much trying to cash in on the name. And it's just, it, it's just not a very well-made movie, and it's not, it's not really... When I was sitting there watching it, you know, I'm not, I'm not super attached to the first Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. I, I like it fine enough. Um I saw it on its like 30th anniversary or whatever in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought it was good, but you know, of course I w- wasn't attached to it or anything. So, you know, I was just like, yeah, it's a good movie. But I also went to see the remake Ghostbusters in the theater and I thought it was okay. That was, it was fine. I think it was awful. Um, like most people did. And yeah. again, it's, it's not for, the main cast being women, it's for the actual characterization and the choice of, you know, spectacle over character story. You know, it's basically, the the story is basically a rehash of the first one. Um, and the characters just aren't 
super well developed. They're all basically tropes. Yeah. Um, and it just it was just an unnecessary thing. It didn't need to happen. It was just they they were like, you know, this Ghostbusters thing is pretty popular. Been a while. Let's just let's just do sort of a reboot. And you know, it, it was pretty it was pretty clear that it was made to make money. And then the you characters know, and, were just not developed enough and so it just was a poor movie made to make mm-hmm. money and it just, you know, does not fly by your book. Yeah. The only thing I could say that would have to do with the political aspect of it and the the gender stuff is the the use of like the one main guy in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it was played by Chris Hemsworth. And he's basically just a dumb person. Like that's his, his whole character is that he's dumb. And, you know, and the, you know, the women are talking about how stupid he is and, you know, all the jokes for him are just, wow, look how stupid he is. So they kind of used that character as like a representation of like the male gender and kind of. It seems that way. Yes. And that's the only thing that was a bit too on the note. Uh, Yeah. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say guys aren't stupid because. (laughs) (laughs) But we all know that's. uh... (laughs) That was the only thing that I saw that was just, just super, super on the nose. And. It was a bit. It was a bit much too. It was. I think they relied too heavily on the jokes from him as well. So. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I really, I think I really appreciate that. You know, there's sort of we've seen a, a sort of wave of a- attempts at diversity in filmmaking, mm-hmm. but I Absolutely. think that sort of it can fall short uh, at times because they're focusing not. Uh, I don't mean to sound, you know, like a white male here that I am, but Mm -hmm. like, I feel like sometimes when the focus is on making that movie diverse, instead of making it a good movie and a diverse movie, I feel like it can fall short. I feel like, um, sort of, and I mean, superhero movies are definitely leading the charge on this. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of where Captain Marvel, uh, may have, you know, missed the mark relative to black panther because black Mm -hmm. panther was a good movie as well as having you know a a majority black cast whereas captain marvel was supposed to be a feminist movie but it it didn't turn out as well as black panther yeah and that issue uh stems from uh choosing politics over story so Mm. you choose politics and then you decide to make a story around that versus hey, I'm going to make a great story with great characters, and then I'm going to put these elements in here to represent. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of filmmakers are failing right now. Yeah. Because, you know, there there are some great, some great strong female characters. Like, you know, you got uh, Ripley from Alien and mm-hmm. Sarah Connor from Terminator, Terminator 2. Great stuff. But a lot of filmmakers nowadays are making politics and choosing politics 
overstory. And that's where people's issues come from. It's not necessarily that there are politics in it, although there are people that do dislike that as well. Yeah. Um, but that's where the issue comes from, is choosing that over a, a, a well-written story and well-developed characters. Yeah. Moving away from that, uh, let's talk about like genres of movie. Like, what's your what's your kind of like go to genre of movie that oh, you man. watch? Definitely horror, definitely horror. And uh, kind of like what 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 makes like what draws you to horror? So a lot of people are drawn by the the scariness, the adrenaline rush, and I I definitely am too. That's definitely part of the fun, but. What I really like about horror movies and what also sucks about horror movies <laughs> is that they can, they're mostly not good. There's a lot of bad horror movies. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those you see from like studios from like the asylum and all that jazz. But, you know, even, even blockbuster, you know, high budget horror movies tend not be as great. Um, so that's like the curse of loving horror movies is that most of them are bad. But what I love about them is that they have the ability to be so creative and implement so many different things that just a normal movie cannot because, you know, it has the horror aspects, but it can play because horror is so can be can mean so many different things. It's not just jump scares and and ghosts and shit like that. What what horror can mean is it can mean the horror of drama, drama in a family. Hereditary did this perfectly. Uh, it could be the horror of of like a psychopath, which you know Halloween demonstrates mm-hmm. perfectly. And then, of course, you know, the horror of Supernatural, you know, you got like Insidious and The Conjuring for stuff like that. James Wan is a, is a genius in that department. And I just love the psychological themes that horror movies can delve into and kind of mess with your mind a little bit. And a, good, a really good example recently was the, the new, to kind of, bring together some other things we were talking about the the it remake the the first one. Oh yeah that was a remake that personally i felt well i guess it's not so much a remake as more of a adaptation because mm-hmm. uh, the, the it miniseries that was in the 90s that came out that was an adaptation and this is a new adaptation it's basically a remake but it's really an adaptation but it's just and, from, the, from the same book yeah and they they did that in probably the best way possible and that that was a movie that i felt needed something like this because the it miniseries is pretty dated you know a lot of people have nostalgic feelings towards it i watched it without really any attachment didn't really enjoy it, but I I liked some of the, like the ideas, and I liked where some of the stuff could have gone. And now with a bigger budget, a great cast, they were finally able to really nail it, in my opinion. Yeah. And 
the thing about it is that it's a horror movie and it's got scary parts to it. I definitely was scared from certain parts of the movie for sure. But the thing is, is that whether you find it scary or not, it is an incredible, incredible story, you know, about the coming of age, about growing up, about friendship, about love. And it is able to tell that story, which could be a normal story in and of itself, but then go the extra step of intertwining it with this this horror story about this this magical creature that can you know shape shift and now you have this story that could be just sort of an average story and now you're adding these crazy elements that add for more creativity more creative shots you know more creative scenarios um you can add more, more complexity to the characters now that they're going through these other like horrifying things and that's where i think that horror movies are the strongest and you know on top of that you, you just got great characters and the story is interesting it's pretty it's pretty simple but it be it's more interesting because of that that horror element mixed in so what you're saying is like you can take like a like a suspense or drama um genre or like you said a coming of age story and then you can just add horror onto it and it mm -hmm. just adds a, a whole other layer of complexity. I never really thought about horror movies in that in that kind of way. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, most of the time, it's like ghost movies and jump scares, right? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it, it has its fair share of jump scares. <laughs> but the thing, the thing for me with jump scares is that, you know, they can be cheap, but they can also be really well utilized as long as as there's a nice buildup and suspense before it because that that when it comes out of nowhere and when it comes out of nowhere a lot of times it's a fake one like a cat jumping out of a cupboard or something mm -hmm. and that that really turns people off um because now you, you just feel kind of stupid like it scares you for a second but you know you know that when you go home or if you are home and you're going to bed after that movie, you're not going to be in your bed, you know, like, oh, my God, oh, the, that, that jump scare noise. Oh, oh boy, it's going to come out any second. No, you're, what what's going to happen is nothing. You're just going to be sitting there thinking about how stupid that was. Yeah. Because it wasn't deserved. Yeah. So now when you have a good amount of suspense built up, and you hit a jump scare with something that's actually scary on screen. The the noise and the jump scare amplifies that and makes it stand out a bit more. Um, and so now, so even still, when you're going home or you're already home and you're you're in bed, you're still not thinking about the jump scare noise, but you are thinking about whatever it was that you saw that scared you and that amplification of the jump scare you know really just was the final nail in the coffin you know yeah 
So that's where I stand on on jump scares. I don't think they're all bad, but when it's a fake out, and you make me feel stupid. I don't like it. Yeah. That's very understandable. <laughs> Hey everybody, it's me again here, Metawell, uh, and I just uh, I wanted to welcome you to the midroll, uh, where I just wanted to say a couple things to you, the audience. So first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everyone who is out there listening to this. Uh, it really means a lot to me. As you know, we're we're just uh, uh, starting up our podcast here. And this is the first time we've done this. It's something I've I've wanted to do and I really enjoy. So I, I really appreciate uh, everyone listening. And also the feedback that I've been getting is very helpful. Like I said, we're just starting out. So we're still working out the kinks and whatnot. But the future is looking very bright. And I'm very excited for what that holds for this podcast. Uh, I also just wanted to quickly mention that we are going on a weekly schedule um, and we plan to do regular uploads Mondays at 5 p.m. or around that time, depending on upload speed and whatnot. Um, And I just uh, would like to finally say that uh, if you enjoy the show, you know, consider giving us a follow or a like or whatnot, depending on, you know, what platform you're listening to this on. And if you're looking for other places to listen to as well, uh, you can listen on Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Breaker, and soon YouTube and Apple Podcasts, hopefully. Uh, But with that said, I will let you get back to the episode. I definitely, I feel the, I feel the, uh, the definite draw to sort of darker movies. I don't know if I would say that personally. I am specifically drawn to horror, but I definitely do enjoy like darker movies. And I feel like, for whatever reason, Korean movies do that so well. I feel like directors like Park Chan Wook and Bong Joon Ho just do that oh, yeah. so well. Uh, they directed movies such as Old Boy, Parasite, Snowpiercer, and Okja. And The Host. And The Host, the host yes. Yep. Yeah, those are, those are great examples. Parasite uh, and The Host, really good. Really good. For sure. I personally have not seen The Host, but I know that Parasite and Old Boy definitely focus on themes of family and Snowpiercer too, uh, sort of as a larger as uh, society. And I know that um, 
when talking about sort of Western culture versus Eastern culture, I know that's a a pretty big difference is more of the Western focus on the individual and the Eastern focus on, on society. Do you feel like that is reflect? Do you feel like there's a, like a definite difference in horror when it's like uh, Western horror versus an Eastern horror? I, I definitely do. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I was saying, um, a lot of these bigger budget horror movies here in America are very jump scary. Even some of the best, like I said, it is full of jump scares. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really like about the the foreign horror films, specifically like Asian ones, they are more subtle. And yeah. because of this, I feel like a lot more people find them more boring um, or confusing. Yeah. Depending on on the film, but Asian horror films do such a good job of setting up scares that y- you might you might not even see. Like they'll put something in the background and there will not be a single noise or a cue to let you know that that thing's there. And what makes that scary is that, for example, if you are with a group of people and you're watching this film, some might not even see it, and some other people will be like, whoa, did you see that? And then those people will be like, no, I didn't see that. You're like, there was something there. And then that sort of creates a sort of, some like, some tension and some, like, yeah. you know, it, it makes it a bit more scary. And then... You know, depending on if you're in a theater or if you're at home, you can rewind and, you know, and then you see it. And then that once you see it, it's like, oh, God, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. even I didn't even see that. And then sometimes they'll be a little bit more obvious. They'll be in the background, but still no noise cue. And then um, that'll be setting up the suspense before some sort of jump scare, because there are still Asian horror films that do have jump scares. But yeah, the noises are significantly less if not almost all natural mm-hmm. okay so like for example here w- our jump scares are usually just like a big noise like added like to the soundtrack yeah and something like those films will have like somebody like like hits a wall or a door with their hand for example yeah like that's the noise that generates the jump scare some not some post-production sound effect yeah yeah not like symbols I mean, it, it, it or... could be okay so those those sounds of them hitting a wall door could very well be post-production <laughs> but you know what i mean so that 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 is an insanely huge difference to me in terms of horror movies here and there because yeah. you know i've watched uh juan the the grudge mm-hmm. that is, that's a big one that's more popular yeah um but some people find that movie boring and I and I say and confusing because it's the story is structured in different segments and they're not all in order. Yeah. But I think that's what makes that movie so unique, at least the first one. You know, there's a lot of them now, so it like isn't as unique anymore, but Yeah. It 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 does that thing I was talking about before where you're able to piece certain things together on your own without the thing telling you everything. 
and that makes it much more interesting, especially on rewatch. And then, of course, it's got more of the you know background subtlety and all that. There's still in-your-face moments, but they're they're earned. And it's just it's just really great what they were able to accomplish with that movie, especially for how low of a budget it was too. Uh, but but this this is kind of where things get interesting uh, because you know we were talking about remakes again, and they made an American remake of The Grudge, and it is one of those rare cases where it was remade by the same director. Oh, wow. It was made by the same person, and yeah. what's really admirable about the film in my opinion, is that they were able to keep the location in Japan. So it wasn't in America. Mm -hmm. They kept it in Japan. And that that is really great because a lot a lot of remakes of Japanese horror films, first of all, riddled with jump scares. And the American <laughs> remake of The Grudge is riddled with jump scares. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. But a lot of those other remakes are just set in America. Yeah. And they just like take the whatever curse or whatever it was that was based in wherever the locations were in the originals and they just moved it over to America and kind of makes less sense. Yeah. And they they're just a lot of them are really low quality and I wouldn't say that the American remake of The Grudge is great. But I would say it is better than most American remakes of Asian horror films, mm -hmm. and I think that has a lot to do with that. It's the same guy, but yeah, I think he, I think he really wanted to do it. I heard because you know the production quality was obviously larger, and they were they were able to do, he was able to do things that he wasn't able to do previously in the original. So in the original, the house that is cursed is a real house. They filmed in a real house. But that limits everything because now, you know, the lighting can't really be adjusted. Uh, the camera angles are really limited. And that is, again, why I think the, the original is... Well, I guess, I guess the original, quote-unquote, is a remake because <laughs> they made... The original was a made-for-TV movie called Jew on the Curse. Mm -hmm. But then... They made this one, and that was uh, like a wide release in theaters. But it, it has plenty of differences, though. So, okay. um, yeah. But the, everything is limited. Mm -hmm. Camera angles can't you can't do, go crazy with those. But now uh, he took advantage of the situation, where now the production quality is larger, larger budget, and now they made a set house. So now they can move things around. They can play with the lighting. They could do all this stuff. So now he's able to do tricks that he wasn't able to do before. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely see those when you're watching the movie. Yeah. And some of them are really, really great. But in the end, it just doesn't, it just doesn't have the subtlety and the creepiness that the original has. And I think that, that is also because of the larger budget, um, usually people tend to go a little bit more crazy when they have a lower budget or a higher budget. Yeah. And that's why I think lower budget horror movies are probably some of the best because they have to be even more creative with everything, with the lighting, with the, with the shots and everything, because 
they have to make up for the fact that they have a lower budget and show that their film is still high quality and can be at the same level of quality as those with high budget by being creative. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So I'm yeah. hearing that kind of the main difference between Eastern and Western horrors are just like, is like Eastern tend to be more subtle. Like mm-hmm. the jump scare scares um, are, there's fewer of them and kind of like they're uh, like not as like loud and obnoxious in as we have over in the West. Um, so when you're taking the look at like a look at the two, like would you say that there's one that's better than the other? Or would you say that they're both like, they both have their own like merits. I think if we're not just comparing, you know, one remake to one original, I think they both have their own merits for sure. They, you know, one's more subtle, one's more in your face, but that also is in line with how each different part of the world and the, and the people that live there kind of, respond to those uh sort of things because like i said a lot lot of people here probably find those ones those movies in asia like more boring because they're slower and more subtle and i think a lot of people here more look for that more fun adrenaline rush the jump scare and all that stuff most people do look for that and i think it just kind of it kind of tells you a little bit about moviegoers here there as well so i think that's also kind of interesting so moving away from that seb there have been a lot of like modern like massive franchises like disney has like recently bought like marvel studios and now they're making like a buttload of you know like these just like long arcs with um with that, I mean, I know DC has their own kind of movie production um, that's trying to catch up. So, like, h- how yep. do you feel about these like large franchises, like the MCU or um, other things of that? Like, how how do you feel that how does how does that fit in today's cinema? Well, so this is the thing. So, I I absolutely adore the MCU um, more so than any of these other universes and this is because you know it's it's it was well known that you know marvel was pretty much about to become bankrupt you know like the movie studio part of it and so they sold like so many of their popular characters spider-man x-men fantastic four all those to different studios you know fox and all that stuff Mm -hmm. sony and now they're left with their more B-list characters that if you if you were someone who didn't read comics, you wouldn't really know who they were. And this is the thing that I love, is that they, they took this huge risk and they made the first Iron Man movie. People thought it wasn't going to be that great. It came out, you know, critically, financially. It, it did amazing and a lot of people really resonated with it. And so now they have this kind of, this thing started. You know, they took this big risk, they did this. And what I love is that they can 
continue to take risks. They started, they added Captain America, you know, and most famously, in my opinion, is Guardians of the Galaxy. They, nobody, nobody knew what Guardians of, who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. Yeah. And unless it was like, you know, like the situation before, if you, unless you read the comics, you didn't really know. And a lot of people didn't know who they were. And Marvel, again, took a huge risk and made a movie about them. And it, again, it did critically, financially, it was great. And that's what I appreciate about the MCU is that they took these risks and this, this universe that they created was something that had never been done before. And it was, it, it was and is revolutionary. But now, the issue is that other studios see the success of this. And now you got the DCEU, the DC Extended Universe, and you know they're, they, they've been trying to play catch-up. And some of their more recent movies haven't actually been awful. Shazam was a good time. I heard Wonder Woman was great. Um, but, and people liked Aquaman, I heard, but they, they just didn't take their time. You know, they, they started with Man of Steel and immediately went to Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, which to me, in my opinion, is as if Marvel was to start with Iron Man and then move to Captain America Civil War. Yeah. It's just it doesn't make a lot of sense planning wise and universe wise. Yeah. It and that's why to me it's clear that it was like it was it was a lot about catch up. And then you got this new monster verse with Godzilla and Kong and the failed dark universe with Tom Cruise as a mummy. And it's starting to become a bit tired, a bit old. Yeah. Yeah. And in the new, the new uh, Scoob movie that just came out even tried to set up a universe with its Hanna Barbera characters. I didn't. Even, I haven't and, seen that one. I didn't know about that. Yeah, and it's it's becoming a bit ridiculous, and you know. The, re- the only reason that I stick with Marvel through this is because they've continually made, you know, really well-made movies. Yeah. yeah. Aside from a few. <laughs> but, you know, they have like, what, 20 or 30 movies out? There's a, there's bound to be a few that yeah. aren't that great for some people. And I think and, they're, they're just, they're very consistent movies too. Yeah. You know? And they clearly have a plan. They know what they're doing, and they were the one of the first ones to ever really do this. This sort of large-scale storytelling, which yeah. is almost like as if it was a TV show, but with individual movies, you know? Yeah. So where do you think the future of these large um, franchises are going to be? Do you think there's going to be like a lot of studios trying to do catch-up to Marvel? Do you think... Marvel's just going to dominate, or do you think the whole fad is going to like die out? I think at this point it would be ridiculous to try and catch up with Marvel. 
you know, when uh, when DC kind of started out, they at least, you know, Marvel had a lot of movies, but not nearly as much as they have now. Um, I think it'd be ridiculous for studios to try and catch up. I think the best thing that a studio can do is take its time, just like Marvel did, and really build up great and interesting characters with interesting stories. Um, and not go too crazy into the, you know, crossover stuff right away, which a lot of these are doing. And I don't think it's going to stop right now. I think studios are going to continue to try and make these large scale universes. Yeah. Uh, because it's just, it's kind of the thing right now. Yeah. You know, Marvel's movies pretty much, I mean, Disney's in general, bare minimum, usually make like a billion dollars. Yeah. So there's no way that studios are going to try and cash in on that sort of large scale universe idea. There's yeah. no way. It's just, it's just too good of an opportunity because it's so popular right now. And, but it just hasn't been done on the same level. Yeah. Quality and scale wise. And I just don't think that it, it ever will for a while. Mm-hmm. The closest it'll be is DC if they continue to, you know, make more quality movies. And so, the thing is, is that I, I don't, I don't dislike DC at all. I, I hear they have great animated movies, and mm-hmm. the, some of the like their standalone movies that are separate from the universe are actually really great. You know, you got the Dark Knight trilogy, you got Joker that just came out. Uh, all yeah. that, all that stuff is is incredible. Um, people get that confused though. They think that those standalone DC movies are part of the DC universe. That's not the case. And because people will be like, Oh, well, you know, you know, people hating on DC, but they had dark Knight, They had Joker now and everything. It's like, that's not, that's not the issue. Those aren't, that's not, those aren't the movies that people have issues with. It's the, It's the cinematic universe ones that are trying to push so much onto people at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's 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 the problem with those. And but DC itself is not bad. It arguably, comics-wise, it could be better than Marvel, um, and definitely animated movie-wise for sure. Yeah, I will say the one drawback though of the big, you know, universe style of doing things is that only hardcore fans can participate in that because Mm -hmm. you know when you get to the like bigger productions like infinity war and endgame you know you have to have seen all like the 25 other movies that lead up to that for to be able to partake in that Mm -hmm. that that is the that is the thing about those and um that's and that's part of why it's just it's so unique because it's just something that can't be truly appreciated unless you watch all of them. And usually that would be an issue because a lot of times, you know, you hear people say, and myself included, that a movie, even if it's a sequel, should be able to stand on its own. It should yeah. be able to add, it should be able to add from the first one so that when you watch them together, it's a bigger, it's a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But if someone hadn't seen that one before, it should be, if it's a really good movie, it should be able to stand on its own and one should be able to watch it and enjoy it just the way it is right there. Yeah. And now, so usually, when we're talking about this big universe thing and you have to watch all of them, 
that would be an issue. But because this is something that's so different and advertised as something so different, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people already know that they have to watch the other ones. Yeah. You know, some people, not a lot of people, I feel like are clueless to that. I feel like a lot of people know that they have to watch the rest of them, and that's why some people don't watch the Marvel movies. Yeah. Because there's so many now. And that is the one issue, but again, that's part of the risk that Marvel made. And the fact that they're so successful really shows what they were able to accomplish if the fact remains that people have to watch the rest of them before to understand these. And, you know, and they're so successful, it it just really shows you what they were able to accomplish. And that their risks, you know, paid off in the end, really. Just one final question. So just kind of to conclude, like with these major franchises in theaters, where does that leave like smaller production studios who are trying to just put like one movie out there? Like, how do you think they're going to be impacted by these uh, now kind of like larger franchises? Are they impacted at all? Um, they, they are for sure. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, Martin Scorsese was talking about this issue too a little bit where especially when Endgame came out it was making tons of money and pretty much every single screen was used for that movie because it was just every theater was full and this this impacted a lot of smaller more indie filmmakers who were trying to get their movie out and it's just kind of being ignored and or not even shown because of the mass amount of people that are drawn to these movies now i wouldn't really this is kind of a tough situation because i would really blame you know disney or anything for this i mean they made their movies too it's just it's kind of a it's an inevitable but tough situation for more smaller projects that are trying to get their, their voice heard. And I do think it is important to support those as just as well as, you know, the big large scale Marvel movies. It's important to support those small projects too, because there are, there are tons of indie movies that are super, super, super good that are overlooked. Um, because of because of the fact of you know the more larger movies being put into more screens yeah as a theater um, you know you got I don't know what you say like what we do in the shadows is a is a great indie film massively overlooked in my opinion uh, there's a movie called The Gift I think that is a smaller project as well it's like a suspense thriller also. Also very, very good. I, I don't think it would be, I don't know if it'd be indie, but it would. De- it's definitely a smaller project. Um, I remember that movie was overlooked when I went and saw it in theaters. Not a lot of people went and saw it, but it was, it was fantastic. But, you know, you got these bigger budget movies that people are more drawn to, which, yeah. you know, I don't blame anybody for that. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, everybody loves the blockbuster movies. Yeah. It's just that. But the fact remains that, yeah, the smaller smaller movies are definitely affected by it for sure 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's important. It's important to support both types of movies too. Like if you, I enjoy, you know, Marvel movies just as the next person, but like, it's also nice to go and see a smaller production and it feels a little Mm -hmm. bit more intimate too. A hundred percent. And you know, you know that when you're going to an indie movie, whether it's good or bad, you know, you always know that it was made because somebody wanted to, somebody wanted to share their vision. You always know that when you go into a big budget movie, sometimes you can tell it's it's just made for money and they don't care if it's good or bad as long as it makes money. But you know, when you go to a smaller project, indie films, you know that that was made from someone's heart and they wanted to get their voice heard. And I'm sure that they're happy that they at least did it, whether it turns out it's good or bad. I'm sure at least those people are happy that they were able to follow their dreams and, you know, pursue their passion and accomplish such a, a mighty task, you know? Exactly. And on that note, I think we should wrap things up. All right. Thank you for coming on our show and talking to us about movies, Sub. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a great time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to The Passion Project. I'm Josh Rockwell. And I'm Will Olke. We'll see you next week.